0: well good morning you guys can grab a seat happy thanksgiving anybody here a fan of thanksgiving do you guys like thanksgiving yes yeah yeah i'm a big fan of thanksgiving you know something i think that's a little unique about thanksgiving and other holidays is like thanksgiving is like really a holiday all about the food like you know like christmas has its food like christmas food's good we like christmas food right but christmas you know there's more significance to it there's other other stuff with easter you know there's, there's food at easter but you know there's more going on you know, like thanksgiving like the time of year the reason we you know the existence of it's around like the harvest we eat food at thanksgiving and it, it has some pretty great food right any you guys like thanksgiving food Amen. anybody like pumpkin pie fans yeah no we don't like pumpkin even if it's got a lot of whipped cream no that's okay i love pumpkin pie i'm a big fan of pumpkin pie but part of what I really like about Thanksgiving is it's like, just like the epitome of the fall season. You know, it's so nice. It's, it's cozy. You know, like, I like fall. I like wearing, like, knit sweaters. Evidently I'm wearing one now. Obviously I had to wear one if I'm going to mention that. You know, scented candles, pumpkin spice. You know, big fan of the fall. I, I really am thankful for Thanksgiving. You know, I'm thankful for other things too. But I'm just thankful for a, a nice weekend to be able to just enjoy those things it's also nice of course to have a weekend where you know we're reminded to be thankful but sometimes does it ever have you ever thought about how like thankfulness sometimes seems kind of just like performative like we we say thank you like it's manners right like mind your manners say please and thank you it's just something like it's a conditioned response to certain things like somebody like holds a door open for you say thank you Somebody give, passes you something, you say thank you. Somebody gives you something, you say thank you. You bump into somebody, you either say thank you or sorry, right? Like, it's <laughs> just, like, it's an automatic thing. I'm not saying that, like, we don't mean it when every time we say it, but just, like, we might not always think about it that much every time we say it. Does that ring true with anybody? And, like, I'm not here to, like, go and start throwing sticks in the spokes here and say like oh we need to like decondition ourselves to start to stop saying thank you so much because like you know that's that's not the point i'm I'm a big fan of manners and being polite and and things you know i'm not going to not teach my kids to say thank you just so that way like i make sure they mean it every time they say it you know like like even Felix, he's a little guy year and a half old and you know we're, we're teaching him to have good manners you know he says please and thank you i mean he doesn't say it verbally he's not quite there yet but we've been teaching him baby sign language Um, so to help him with communication there's a few things that he can say um, verbally but he can say over like 60 words with sign language which is really cool but one of those first signs was thank you which is this it does lead to some like funny situations though uh, because I Forget that other people don't expect a a one-and-a-half year old to be speaking sign language with them sometimes so even just this past Monday uh, I brought Felix to staff meeting uh, on Monday because Haley had an appointment. It was just easier for him to be with me than go to the doctors with mom So he came he joined us for for staff meeting and as we were coming in We could hear the trucks and the construction going on in the main street I don't know if you guys noticed there's construction on the main street. <laughs> it happens every once in a while, sometimes it makes things slower. I don't know. But <laughs> he could hear all, all the trucks and all the commotion. And Felix absolutely loves trucks and cars and so like he's like, I, I hear that, I kinda wanna go check that out. Like even in Pastor Roy's message two weeks ago when he had cars on the screen, every time a new car came up, he'd go, and he just got excited. So I'm like, sorry, buddy, we, we, we gotta go. We can't go see the trucks right now, but maybe, maybe we'll go after. So after staff meeting, I took him out to the corner so you could see some of the commotion, see what's going on. You could see the, the dump truck and the digger and, and everything going on. We're standing there, we're just watching the trucks. He's having a good time. And there's a lady crossing the street towards us and he's a friendly little guy. So he's waving, he's looking really cute waving and she's waving back, which it's a little, little kid waving. You gotta wave back, right? And she's like, oh, he's so handsome. I was like, oh, Felix, say thank you. Because, you know, we say thank you when somebody gives us a compliment. So he goes, meh. Because he does a little verbal cue with it. So he goes, meh. And I'm not thinking, what's this lady crossing the street going to think when he does that? She's not going to expect him to say, be saying thank you. So she thinks he's, he's blowing her a kiss. So she, she does that. She's distracted. She almost trips over a pylon onto the road. Like, I... We almost killed somebody because I taught Felix how to say thank you. I, I, I am all for teaching him to say thank you. But sometimes it does seem kind of performative. I mean, like, I don't know how much Felix understands about saying thank you. I, I, I don't know what's going on in, in his head when he says it. You know, we, we give him his water. He says thank you. you give him a snack or help him with, with something, he's trying to reach crayons. I mean, he says thank you just about every time, but I don't know what he's thinking when he says that. And sometimes, again, I think, obviously, I, I have a little bit more confidence in how we think about the word thank you when we say it than how Felix thinks about it, but sometimes it does seem kind of just like an automatic response. Now, we're going to uh, to be... Spending some time in Ephesians five fifteen to twenty one this morning, but before we jump into that, I'm just gonna gonna open in prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this weekend and, and this day. God, thank you that we have uh, this time in in our calendar that we're we're forced to to remember to be thankful, forced to uh, spend some time in, in contemplation to do that the time that we can remember your goodness. Remember the things that, that you've done for us and continue to do for us, God. Time that we can celebrate together. God, I just pray that this morning as as we dive into your word, as we talk about thankfulness, God, that, that you would spring up a, a new appreciation for what that means in our lives, God, that, that you'd challenge us and, and cause us to grow through that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I said we were going to... Read Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. But before we do that, we're we're going to talk about a little bit of background as to what's going on with this passage. Um, See, Ephesians, it's in the Bible. Surprise. Um, And it's a letter written by Paul. And uh, Paul was a missionary church planter in the first century who planted many churches, you know, brought the message of Jesus to thousands of people. And, you know, the, the ripples of his work still continue today. But uh, with that, because Paul, you know, went to so many places, met so many people, planted so many churches, and, and had those relationships, he, you know, couldn't be in all places at one time. So he wrote a bunch of letters to be able to communicate and teach and address problems and concerns and situations. And we see that in many of the letters that we still have that Paul wrote Today, we see that in Romans and Galatians and 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We see him addressing people by name and specific situations. And Ephesians is a little bit different than those letters in that it wasn't actually necessarily written to any particular group. The, the earliest manuscripts we have of Ephesians don't actually have the to the church in Ephesus. Uh, designation in there it was just kind of a general letter there 's no names of any in particular people in that that letter he 's not sp- like speaking to specific situations he's you know hasn 't heard about so and so who's having problems with this and that it 's just a letter of teaching and what people think was going on with Ephesians was toward the end of paul 's uh, life and, and time ministering that when he was under house arrest that, you know, he had written all these letters to churches that he knew and situations. And was probably thinking like, you know, there's people are kind of passing these around, which is great, but it'd be great if there was a letter that people could pass around that was not so specific to certain problems that specific people are having, you know, something that tells the most important parts that like, what, what does somebody need to know to follow Jesus? What's the most important stuff and wrote this letter so that people could, could get a clear teaching and understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. It was probably, it makes sense that it may have been sent to Ephesus first, because Ephesus was the, the capital of that province in the Roman Empire. It was a large city, it would have been able to get distributed you know, far and wide from that spot. But Ephesus, Ephesians overall, is it, telling key things about following Christ. One of those major themes in Ephesians is this idea of a new humanity that in light of what Jesus did for us, his perfect life, his death, paying for our sins and his resurrection kind of creates this new understanding of what it means to be human for us. That, that, that fundamentally changed the human experience and how we relate to God, how we relate to each other, how we relate to this world. And we're gonna be diving in towards the end of this letter. It's only it's only five chapters long, we're in or it's only six chapters long. We're gonna jump in halfway through chapter five. So, like we know there's gonna be some like rubber meets the road, some good stuff in here. You know, he spent some chapters building up to what he feels are, are some of the most important things of following Jesus, and, and that's what we're gonna dive into this morning. So starting Ephesians five fifteen says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything, to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So a good little chunk of scripture there. There's a lot going on in this, but some, some key things in here. Is we, we start off with this talk of being wise or unwise. We move to an idea of understanding the will of the Lord we see this contrast between being drunk and being spirit-filled, and it all culminates with giving thanks always. Now, when, when Paul begins this section with the, the, this call to, you know, asking, like, do you want to be wise or unwise, right? It's just about anybody, if given the option between the two, is going to choose the wise option right? When when framed like that. But speaking of wisdom this way, it, it's kind of a, a nod back to wisdom literature in the Bible. We, we see in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, this wisdom literature where, where it's practical, you know, rubber meets the road, stuff that's going to matter for someone's life. You know, like biblical wisdom, it's, yes, there's some like philosophical nature to it. Yeah, we, we, we can think about it, we can talk about it, we can you know, have some fun that way. But really, when it comes down to it, biblical wisdom is something that's meant to be lived out. You know, it's not supposed to stay in books or stay as abstract ideas. It's something that's supposed to impact your life and change the way you live. So we know that that this is going to be practical. We know we know there's going to be something that matters for our life in here. And he then goes on to talk about making the most of your time. See, when early Christians would have read this, you know they understood that this idea that we call the, the imminency of the return of Christ. That means that when, when Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, he said that he was going to be coming again, right? And this idea is we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when. It could be any time. It could be right now. Not right now, but it could be now. It could be in thirty minutes. It could be in thirty years. We don't know when, but it could be at any time. So it's important to be prepared, always. Right? Now, the early Christians they they had this expectation that it was going to happen soon. That it was going to ha- like that it could ha- literally could happen at any minute. So making the most of their time was something very important. Right? If you believe you've been given this task of Sharing the most important news the world has ever had to people, and 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 you don't you don't know how long you're going to have. You're not going to waste time and drag your heels doing that, right? Now, this immediacy, the the expectation. You know, we probably don't live our lives with that the same level of expectation that the early church had. 2000 years ago every day in our lives today, you know, we we, we understand that we know it we, we, we understand it in our heads But we don't always walk that out and it's understandable It's been 2000 years I and mean, I'm not here to point fingers at everybody You know when you point one finger three more are pointing back at you I'm here with you but even With with an understanding of like let, let's say somebody told you like guaranteed you're gonna have like a hundred more years to live or 200 more years, like, like, we don't like wasting time, right? Like, you want, like, no matter how much time you have, we like to make the most of our time, right? So then how, how do we do that? Well, Paul carries on to talk about understanding the will of God. He talks about, like, to be wise is understanding the will of God. I don't know about you guys, but when I hear the phrase like will of God, the first thing that comes to mind is like this big book or like massive map with red strings. And it's like this master plan of like everything that's ever going to happen. And like, I'm just thinking like I got to see this map or book and just see like, what's the next step for my life. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. I, I don't know about you guys, but like that sounds a lot more like saying like God's plan than God's will. What Paul is saying is it's important for us to understand God's will. Now, when I was in high school and after that and still from time to time, today, you know, I would spend just countless hours begging God, like, could you please just show me, like, the next three steps on this, like, master plan, right? Like, or like one or all of the. It'd be great if I could just see the whole plan so I could know what to do, right? Anybody ever feel that way? Sometimes a few of us, a few of us, we're on the same page, but you know, the more I'd spend time in prayer with that, the, the more time I'd spend with God, the more I read in the Bible of what that, the, the, of what God actually wants for us. Where I see, you know, it's not so much about like this step-by-step plan for our lives but, as the passage says, it's, the importance is to know the will of God. And it goes on to clarify that to know the will of God is to be, or it, the way to know the will of God is to be spirit-filled, to be close to him. Now, don't get me wrong, I, God might have something specific for you to do from time to time. You know. But if God has something like specific that if you don't do it, it's going like, to ruin the whole plan, like, he'll probably let you know pretty clearly right? Like Jonah didn't go and go the other way to Nineveh from, or the, the other way to Tarshish from Nineveh because he like had a feeling that maybe he was supposed to go, you know, like he, he knew he was supposed to go. But we see on, on, on knowing the will of God, to know the will of God, we see this importance of being spirit-filled. But we see that in, in contrast to being drunk. It's a, don't be drunk, but be spirit-filled. I think sometimes we kind of see the will of God and being spirit filled. We, we we kind of don't see the flow from one to the other because we get stuck on the "don't be drunk." I mean, I'm not, I'm not promoting drunkenness. Just I'm going to come, whatever I say, that's not what I'm promoting. But you know, we we see like know the will of God and don't be drunk. Be spirit-filled. But it's like, you know, if you only focus on the thing you're not supposed to do but don't really pay much attention on the thing you are supposed to do, you're missing a lot of the point, right? Like, let's say your daily routine is you go to Tim Hortons at 3 o'clock every day or something like that. It's like, great day, right? Or Starbucks if you're you're Terry or myself. (laughs) But, you know, on this particular day, you know, we're building a whole world here. This is a scenario, none of us live in this scenario, but you go to a coffee shop every day at three, your spouse picks up the kids from school, right? Imaginary situation, we don't live this. But on this particular day, you need to pick up the kids from school. So your spouse says, hey, don't go to Tim Hortons at three, pick up the kids from school. Now imagine we sat here and in that situation, You just turned off your brain after don't go to Tim Hortons at three and you only didn't go to Tim Hortons at three. Who's going to be happy when they come home and the kids are still at school, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like it's two important things that go together. In fact, again, very clear. I'm not promoting drunkenness, but you'd be better off to go to Tim Hortons at three and pick up the kids 15 minutes late than not pick up the kids at all and not go to Tim Hortons, right? Analogy is not perfect. But the importance of this idea is in being close to God. Now, it's not saying that, you know, God's going to like suck his spirit away from your... like pull his presence away from you, like the moment a drop of beer touches your lips or anything like that. That, I think what this is getting at more is going back to the beginning of this passage. It's going back to not wasting time. Like there's so many things that we could waste our time with. This is one example. We can waste time doing, watching TV or playing video games or going to Tim Hortons too much or Starbucks. (laughs) I'm there too. But The point of it is to not waste time. I I do think that there's more dangerous wastes of time than others, and I think getting drunk all the time is a more dangerous waste of time probably than going to Tim Hortons every day at 3. But, you know, it's not... I think sometimes we get just a little too focused on, on little parts, you know? Now, I will say, I think there's something... Specific about the idea of getting inebriated, whether that be through alcohol or, or drugs. Or just something that alters your conscious in keeping you in that moment from full participation with God. Because we do, we are part of a participatory faith in that, in that, you know, God has created us to be who he made us to be. Like, that includes our personality, that includes our interests and our skills and just who we are as people in that you know, when God wants to use you in your life, he's not looking for you to, like, empty yourself of yourself so that he can, like, control you like a little remote control car and do his will. Like, he He doesn't need that from us, right? He wants to use the people that he made, personality and all. And I think when we, when we put barriers on that, such as, you know, getting drunk or getting high or drinking 17 coffees and bouncing off the wall even, we... Prohibit that, that, that full participation that God wants for us in our lives. The key part, recap, I want to be wise, I want to know the will of God. We know the will of God by being close to God, by being filled with his spirit, which not, getting, not focusing on, on the distractions in our lives, not wasting time is important to that. But we see this, Paul builds this up, the, the wisdom, not wasting time, the will of God, being close to God, crescendos into thankfulness. You know, when we walk in wisdom, when we don't waste time, when we participate in what God has for us in our lives, when we are close to him, when we, are, when we know his will for our lives because we spend time daily in his presence, that, over, that, that culminates, that crescendos into an overflowing of thankfulness out of who we are as Christians. This is a defining characteristic of being a Christ follower, of being a thankful person. And with this thankfulness being such a key, uh, an important part, such a significant thing in our spirituality, in our walk with God, you know, it's so much more than a performative thankfulness, right? We're not talking about minding our manners when we're talking about this thankfulness, right? We're not just talking about saying please and thank you. This is something more, this is something more significant to that. In that this true gratitude as a follower of Jesus changes everything in our lives. It changes the way we worship. It changes the way we see life. It changes the way we treat each other. And I think a big part of that is because of the weight of what it is that we are thankful for. You now, think about a situation where you're like, you just say thank you as a pleasantry, right? Like, so you're at Thanksgiving dinner, you want the gravy, ask somebody, hey, Randy, could you pass me the gravy? Passes me the gravy, I say, thank you. I'm thankful that Randy passed me the gravy. But it is, you know, it's not like this ultimate thing that Randy has bestowed upon me, giving me the gravy. It's probably really good gravy, I, I appreciate it. But, you know, I could get up and I could get the gravy myself. I could be rude and reach across the table and, Acquire it's something it's it's something available to me right. So like let's say like on a scale of zero to ten zero being not thankful at all ten being the most thankful you could be we're probably like a two or three thankful for I appreciate Randy that you passed me the gravy. <laughs> well, let's take it up a notch you know somebody gives somebody a gift. You know it's you know, it's you know it's it's more than you know, it's it's. it's They didn't bring you a coffee. You know, it's, it's, it's a gift. It's, you know, something substantial. And there's a little bit of weight in that box. It's something you wanted. You appreciate it, right? Yeah, probably like maybe six or seven thankful for receiving a gift, right? But you know, it's something, it exists. You, you, you could acquire that gift. Take it up a notch. You know, you've just bought a house, You put the down payment on, made your first mortgage payment and you find out somebody paid your entire mortgage. Nine or ten, right? <laughs> like, very, very thankful for that gift, right? But here's the thing. This is still something achievable, right? This is still something like, sure, it might take like 15 to 25 years, but like you're making your monthly payments and it, it'll it'll get done eventually if somebody doesn't do that for you. But now, picture what Christ has done for us. That we were once estranged from God. We were once separated from him. There, there was sin in our lives that we could not remove no matter what we do. That there's, there's no monthly minimum payment for reducing sin and bringing you into relationship with God. There's no, no loan payment getting you out of there. there there's, there's no task you can accomplish. But that's what Christ has done for us. He's given us the ultimate gift. I mean, uh, there's so many wonderful things that God does for us every day, right? There's the air we breathe. There's our loved ones around us. There's turkey and gravy on Thanksgiving. But nothing compares to being brought back into relationship with God, with having our guilt and our shame and our sin removed from us, completely free of cost. There's, There's nothing we could do to earn or deserve that, nothing we could do to acquire that on our own. When we read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, there's over three hundred separate instructions that we would need to fulfill to earn that ourselves, to to be in that right relationship without Christ's sacrifice. And we're probably all breaking at least one right now by wearing blended clothing. It's an unachievable task. I mean, like, you know, we think like, oh, don't eat pork, don't eat shellfish. Don't put cheese on your burger because you're not supposed to put mixed dairy and meat that's in there. Don't wear blended clothing. But that doesn't even get into, like, all the different, like, sacrificial stuff and, like, the specific, specific things that we just cannot uphold. The gift of salvation is so much greater than anything anything we could receive. And this, and, and that is why this, this gratitude, this thankfulness, is something that is so important to the way we walk as Christians. It affects the way we worship. You know, when we come with praise and thanksgiving, when, when we come before God with this in mind. You know, obviously we can thank God for what he's doing in our lives now. We can thank God for the the, the blessings that he's given us all. But, but even more than that, we can thank God for what he has already done for us, that he has brought us into relationship with him, that he has saved us from our sin, that we are no longer condemned. We are no longer held to guilt. We are no longer needing to be Feel, feel shame for anything that we've done. And, that even, and the way that impacts our worship is even when life sucks, because life, you know, bad things do happen from time to time, right? <laughs> even when life gets hard, even when we're going through tough times, that we're still able to worship God, that we're still able to thank Him for what He's done for us. It impacts the way we see life. Again, we, we know that life gets hard. We, we know that there's difficulties. And this isn't telling us to, like, ignore the bad and just pretend everything is good. Or This isn't saying, like, when bad things happen, we should just, like, thank God that a bad thing happened. But it's recognizing that we're, we've already been given everything that we need. That the, the eternal life, the salvation through Christ Jesus is already ours. It's, it's not so much that we thank God for literally every single thing, even if it's bad, but that we can thank God through everything, even the bad things. And lastly, it impacts the way that we treat each other. When we live with thankfulness, it impacts the way we treat each other. Like, like in, in contrast to that, I mean, when we get proud, when we get high and mighty, when we act holier than thou, when we think, like, Think of, like, the worst person you can imagine in your mind, because I'm sure we all have different minds, is people who don't signal or, you know, drive too close to me on the road, right? When you think of, like, the worst kind of person, it's because, and, and you're thinking of them as the worst kind of person, it's because we're forgetting to be thankful. You know, without Christ, we're in the same boat as everyone else. You know, like we like, we, we didn't receive salvation on merit like there was nothing that we could do there was no like we can like there was no being good enough to receive the gift that christ gave us it's something fully out of mercy through grace and because of his love for us and that's what we need to show that that's when we remember how much we don't deserve what we've been given that we're able to you know See the person who didn't use a signal and then just braked really quickly. And now you're like, oh, I'm trying to go around them and I'm going to be late for whatever. You know, you're able to see that person with love because you know that you're in the same boat as they are without the love of Christ. You know, you didn't earn your salvation. Something that I think illustrates that well is—is is, I mean, th- this is living in humility. That—that's that, what that is, right? When when we are remembering the the weight of what God has given us, and we're truly thankful for that, and that is overflowing out of our lives. That results in us having an amount of humility, right? When if 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 we're forgetting why we should be thankful, you know, we're, we're building ourselves up. We're, we're we're convincing ourselves that we deserve what we have, right? But when we truly take that time to, to remember what we have to be thankful for, we walk in humility. And Philippians 2 verse 3, I think, outlines this wonderfully. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more, than signi- more significant than yourselves. I think sometimes we see humility and we think like, oh, humility is like, like humiliating myself. Like I need to like make myself less than other people. But like, that's not, what, that's not what being humble is. That like, humility is considering others better than yourself. It's not lowering yourself, but elevating others. I like to think of it like, you know, it's considering that others may be better than yourself. Like when I, 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 I play, my, my main instrument that I play is bass guitar. So the way I try to practice humility as a bass guitar player is when I show up somewhere and somebody else plays bass, I consider that they may be better at base than me, and that I don't be a jerk to them. Because <laughs> they might not be, that's, and that's totally fine, because that, that is, I'm probably better at base than somebody. But just considering that they may be better than me, it's not lowering myself, but it's lifting them up in dignity, right? To close, I I think it's wonderful that we have this day and this weekend that reminds us to be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. I'm thankful that we're here in person. I'm thankful that I don't have to wear a mask right now. But you guys are probably thankful that you guys don't have to come up here and do public speaking, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But let's not let this reminder to be thankful go to waste and and just just spend it on pleasantries. It's, It's still good, you know. But... Let's use this time as another reminder of the amazing gift that God has given us. To let the gift of Christ, the gift of salvation, the thing that we could have never achieved on our own, let it reinvigorate our worship. Let it refresh the way we see the world and let it change the way we see each other and others around us every single day. So, just, I, don't know, I, I uh, if, if you guys could stand with me, we're, we're, we're going to just sing that, that first song again. we're going we're going we're, we're to let the our, our thankfulness to God just we're, we're going to practice that, just letting it overflow in worship, and then I'm going to come up and I'll, I'll pray to close after that.